Welcome, you are listening to Links at Bain & Gray, a catalogue of podcasts centred on all things business support in the workplace. Our aim is to bring you interesting and relevant content that will keep you up to date and thriving in your role. Today I am talking to Charlie Smith, founder of At Your Service, uh, the UK's leading event staffing provider that he founded back in 1992. Charlie, welcome. Nice to be talking to you this morning. Thank you for having me. Um, for the benefit of our listeners today, tell us a bit about life before At Your Service um, and then talk to me about, introduce us to At Your Service and, and how the business came about. Right. Well, I, fun enough, I started my career, well, when I left school, um, careers advice was pretty poor back in the early 80s. Um, <laughs> uh, and I think I was given the choice of the church uh, the army, the city, or farming. <laughs> Very traditional. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was by my father, who was a soldier. And yep. uh, I ended up um, uh, basically my career being chosen for me and uh, sent off or packed off to agricultural college. I moved up to London and uh, worked for a fine art insurance brokers, okay. um, which was fascinating if you have a, 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 a sort of real knowledge of fine art mm. and a passion for it. And at uh, you know, the tender age of 19, I didn't really have a, a, a great thing. And also insurance is really about policy wording and I'm not about policy wording I'm more mm. about people mm. um, and uh, so I ended up uh, moving into recruitment um, and I worked mm-hmm. for a, uh, a fantastic firm called the IPS group um, doing uh, contingency recruitment uh, in, in, in the insurance industry um, mm. moved on to another firm um, uh, doing search and selection right uh, which then promptly in 1992 um, uh, went bust ah. um, so I was sort of slightly left on my Todd with uh, you know, a fairly sizable mortgage and no job. Um, and so I started doing a bit of waitering at events just to, to pay the bills and you right. know, keep myself out of mischief. Yep. Um, and it was really that um, experience that made me sort of think, well, actually, hang on, there is a bit of a career here, mm. uh, potentially, or a, a business to be formed. Um, and so out of adversity, back in the recession, um, with a £10,000 overdraft, um, I sat in my back bedroom and uh, and uh, amazing and, and 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 tried my hand at it. That's often the way how uh, great businesses get started, isn't it? But you know, a change in someone's life plan ends up with a bit of an adverse situation and makes them sort of work hard to 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 deliver something that's ends up obviously growing and growing. In your case, yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the the interesting thing back then, you know, when I when I turned to my parents, you know, and said, "Look, I'm I'm, I'm becoming a waiter." You know, the thousands of pounds they spent on my education, um, it didn't quite hit the chord um, Mm. that I was hoping for. Um, uh, And a lot of people sort of questioned, you know, having been a search selection uh, consultant, um, what on earth I was doing. And I suppose that really gave me more reason to really um, uh, make a success of it, um, really to prove a point more than anything else. So tell me a little bit then about the start of At at Your Service. Did you know exactly what you were offering to potential customers in in the first instance? Well, I'd worked for an agency that was 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 fairly low rent, um, and um, and they didn't really care for their clients. They didn't really care for their staff. And having come from a recruitment background, a professional recruitment background, I thought, well, I can definitely do this better. Mm. Know, look after the clients. Look after the staff. Mm. And I think I have I had this real desire to create something quite special, um, something that was a bit more meaningful um, uh, than just any business that really cared about people and put people first um, uh, and made a difference. Mm. Um, and so I, th- I suppose that was really the motivation. Um, and it was it was blooming hard work. Mm. I mean, literally, I was, I, was, I was working, you know, pretty well every day on site 
I was eating on site yeah. um, and you know, getting up at five in the morning, doing all the admin and then going out on site, booking the staff, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So it was, it, was, it was definitely quite hard work, but it was an adventure. Yeah. And it was exciting. So you got busy quite quickly, did you? Sort of, um, you had quite a bit of a pipeline for, for events and to, to staff up and the business hit sort of took off. Yes, it did. I think, you know, um, I definitely spotted a, a gap in the market because there was no, first of all, there was no um, agency that was actually providing any training for their staff. Right. Um, so that was a sort of starting point. Yeah. Um, and I think that we um, really um, were offering something that was far more reliable to, to people and a far better product, you know, um, far better people on mm. site. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it really gained a lot of momentum very, Brilliant. very quickly. Amazing. So what, in terms of um, the ingredients for planning a sort of good event, your your business offering is a big part of it, but how, how, does, how does it all sort of happen? Well, I, I think, you know, I mean, a, a lot of, a lot of uh, event companies have very different approaches. Mm. Um, and actually, as part of my sort of checkered career, I, I, I actually ran an events company called Fifth Element, um, which was uh, quite, a, quite, a, quite a fun Right. Fun time, mm. not the most profitable, but it was really good fun. And we did yep. some crazy, crazy events. And we always took the view that um, rather than start with the flowers um, and the decor, start with the guest experience. And I think starting with the guest experience is probably one of the most important points. Um, from the very point at which a guest arrives at an event, mm. um, how do they feel? Um and our job is to make the guests feel relaxed and welcome because a lot of people, when they turn up to an event, feel a real sort of um, anticipation. They're not quite sure. They maybe don't know many people. Mm. In the old days, you'd you know you'd get a glass in your hand and a fag in your hand, and then you're fine. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But now, yeah. obviously, you know that's the, you know it's not quite the same now. Our our approach is start at the front door. Mm. Um, you're a guest, and you walk through the event as a guest, and walk through the whole process from arriving. How easy is it for you to get rid of your coat? How easy is it for you to get a drink in your hand? Um, and the staff standing there with the trays have to be, and, and the people taking the coats, mm. have to be that welcoming smile that immediately puts people at ease. It's um, interesting. I mean, it sounds so obvious hearing you say it like that, but actually, you know, having been involved in different sort of elements of my life in different events, it is all the visuals that people tend to get drawn to first. What's it look like? What theme are we doing for the room? Um, it's, it's those sort of things that are often considered first. And you're quite right that the experience is everything and how people remember it. Well, completely. And I mean, there, there are two things. Do, I mean, people don't remember um, OK service, but they remember bad service and mm. they remember great service. Mm. Um, and if we can very subtly make people feel at ease, um, then they naturally are going to um, uh, uh, find it easier to, to talk to people, make connections yep. with people um, and relax. And depending on the type of event, if it's a corporate event where, um, you know, it is a networking, people need to feel a bit more relaxed, a bit mm. more confident. And if we can give that in a very subtle, unobvious way, that, that, that is important. And then they, as they move through, it's how they're topped up with glass, you know, with their glasses are topped up and how the canapes are presented. And it's that sort of very subtle service with grace where you're, you're very present um, uh, but not, but not noticed not, so much. Not yeah, absolutely discreet, yeah. but ever present. Yeah. I think is how yeah. I describe it. So, are you able to share any insight in perhaps some of your more demanding clients? I think I mean no, it's a tricky one because, as I say, you know, we 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 
done so many events over the years. Um, there's no one particular client that I, I can I can uh, bring to mind. They're all demanding. You know, they expect a very high level of service, and um, and, and it's our job to deliver it. Um, and yes, there have been some incredibly unreasonable demands over the years, um, uh, but our job is just to try and resolve it. Yeah. Our listeners are predominantly personal assistant, executive assistants. Um, would they get directly in touch with you for, for smaller events? Or how do, how do the, the different people involved in the planning come together? And at your service, would it be directly hired by PAs or executive assistants, potentially, who are booking and planning events um, for their bosses or for company events? Or would it be... There's, you know, they need to source their own sort of people doing the food and people doing the event creation to then come to you? Or how does how do you work with your sort of... Well, pre- predominantly we work um, uh, for, for outside caterers, high-end outside caterers. Right, so um, they would typically come to you and source the staff. As a rule. Yes. But um, uh, I would say probably 20, 30% of our business is direct with the client. Uh, right. Where they need a few staff. It could be anything from one staff to 30 staff, whatever. Okay. And that could be uh, 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 a, um, a luxury brand mm. um, who are doing a promotion, um, who want waiting staff, um, front of house and back of house, or maybe even promo staff mm. um, uh, to represent their brand. Um, uh, and I think, you know, the one thing we have with, you know, over 32 years worth of experience is we know who all the caterers are. We yeah. know who can actually deliver the goods. Um, and so we can make some good recommendations. Great. Okay. And though, you know, I used to organise events and so I know who does what. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm more than happy or we're more than happy to sort of guide and advise. Right. Um, uh, you know, to help. Okay, great. And so the demographic of your workforce um, is varied and huge then. But you have a lot of, of, of employees or, t- or temporary workers, I guess, aren't they? Um, how... What are the biggest challenges of managing that flexible workforce and how do you make sure that you've always got good enough staff to, to, to fulfil the you know requirements of the client? Well, I mean, fulfilling the requirements of the client and um, is really important because we, you know, reliability is at the core of what we do. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of our, the reason we have some of the same clients that we started with back in 92, so 32 years wow. worth of client yep. experience, um, uh, says a lot about our reliability and actually yep. what we what we actually deliver. And that's caterers and private clients. We've got mm. some private clients who we worked with back in 92 wow. who still come yep. back to us every year, um, which I love. And they've sort mm. of almost become friends. Um, uh, the, the sort of demographic ranges um, uh, and varies fun enough depending on the climate of the uh, economy actually yep. and so now we're seeing um, some older people joining who mm-hmm. are obviously looking to um, uh, just get a little bit of extra income on the, right. you know, on the side of their job um, but I would say I, I, fun enough I, I had a look at this um, uh, uh, the other day um, and the starting age for us is 18 mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think the oldest person we have working for us currently is 64. Amazing. Which actually I love. Mm. Um, uh, the majority, I think um, uh, about 80% sit between 18 and 25. That's right. the sort of range. Yeah. Um, uh, and it is quite demanding work. I mean, you're on your feet um, you know, for long periods of time. Mm. So it does naturally sort of lend itself to younger people. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yes. Okay. And so the business, you've touched on this already in terms of how the business has evolved over the past few years. But in terms of running the business and managing the business, what's changed with that? I mean, has tech become a big part of how at your service is run today? Tech has always been 
a, a huge part of our business. And it started, fun enough, in, uh, back in 92, well, back end of 92, beginning of 93, when I was sitting um, with reams of paper and I borrowed a, 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 an early Mac off my brother, having never used a computer before, and, um, uh, and thought, you know, I was typing up lists of staff and it was very time-consuming. And I, I, and, and I had paper files and I was rustling through paper files of individuals and ringing them. And, uh, and I thought, wouldn't it be good if it was all in a, on a database of some description? Mm. So I somehow, and I have no recollection how I did it, wrote a very rudimentary sort of uh, Rolodex style database of all our staff. So I could have some records about them so I could understand who they were. And I think the next stage, actually, which was quite a breakthrough, because um, I have a very good memory for people if I can see their face mm. um, but I got a terrible memory for names um, <laughs> and uh, and so I bought a scanner back in 93 and started loading on photographs onto this rudimentary database so we actually had photographs of our people on the system um, back in 93 which um, probably makes us one of the first recruitment companies in the UK actually mm. um, to have photographic images of our staff. I mean, it was a very laboured and yep. cumbersome system. <laughs> but that then moved on um, by 99. Um, we had a paper diary, which was incredibly efficient. Um, uh, and I still have copies of the diaries, which is lovely because I can look through and see some of the old names of the people I worked very closely with back in the early days. And I love that. Um, uh, but we basically combined the diary, the manual diary, with the database and created the first booking system. Mm. Um, and then it went, I'm going to say, in the cloud. It wasn't in the cloud. It was on a big server mm. in our office. <clears throat> and that, with the, with the sort of start of the internet, um, allowed us then to access, and this was always a dream of mine, to be able to work from many different locations. Mm. Um, so not just to be stuck in one place. Before it became more commonplace. Yeah, and it, I mean, absolutely, yeah. now it is. And, um, and we... Um, uh, had a system that allowed us to be able to open multiple offices and they would dial into this service. I mean, it kept on falling over. You know, mm. so I spent my whole time rebooting the system. But it allowed us to efficiently open offices throughout the UK, um, uh, which, which gave us a huge competitive advantage. Mm. And a lot of our competitors were amazed about how so few of us could do so much. Mm. Um, and it was the efficiencies. And so we, we, we developed a very, very strong program um, of of IT development and we had an amazing system um, and we were working towards this concept of transactional automation mm. um, so anything that is transactional should be automated um, which would allow us more time to spend talking to our clients um, understanding their needs better and talking to our people um, and understanding their needs and making better matches so rather than spend all our time doing the admin allow the tech to do the admin um, uh, and anyway, so we were going on a really good journey. And then, of course, you know, lockdown comes and, uh, and, and things changed. Mm. We were spending you know, a good part of half a million pounds a year on just developing the system. Wow. Um, okay. And, and, and uh, you know, by that stage, you know, obviously we sat for 18 months doing nothing and mm. our, our sort of funds are depleted. And so we chose to go to a, a, a different system, an external system, a third party system, mm. which actually has proved to be a really, really good move. Because, uh, you know, financially it's been a better move. Yeah. But also technology, we're not a tech, we, we no. have a tech company, but we're not technology, techno, you know, we're not a tech company. Not technologists, yeah. Um, uh, and, um, and so tech has advanced so fast mm. um, 
you know, it's better that it's in the hands of those that understand it better yeah, and can make the changes. Yeah. And so now we have the most incredible system um, that allows us um, really to do everything that I dreamed of. Um, Amazing. Uh, and uh, uh, so, so it's, 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 yeah, love tech. Yeah, brilliant. So what next then? I mean, it sounds like you've been early adopters of, of sort of looking at how to improve efficiencies in your space throughout the sort of tenure of at your service. So what next? What does the next five years look like for the business? Well, I mean, if you'd asked me that again before lockdown, I would have given you a very, very different answer. Um, uh, but uh, it's very difficult. You know, you can't plan as a business that's all about people um, and all about hospitality um, for 18 months of being not able to do anything. Mm. Um, and so we did sit, um, you know, throughout <coughs> lockdown, the, 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 uh, the various, um, uh, you know, people in the business. And we, start, we went into lockdown with 50 full-time staff and came yeah. out with four. Wow. Um, so it was quite, you Difficult know, quite times, a, yeah. you know, it, was, it was challenging. But, you know, we've, we, we always have been, you know, rising to challenge. And I think where, you know, we have a very strong concept of what we want to be. You know, we mm. don't want to be just an agency. We've always sort of seen ourselves as a staffing partner. And I think there is a difference because it's all about us representing our clients Absolutely. And their interests and finding the best way to represent them. And our staff have, you know, done amazing things and driven a lot of business to our clients. Great mm. service drives business. Mm. Um, and so um, we wanted, we sat in lockdown going, what do we want to be? And we were, you know, we were putting out a thousand staff a day um, amazing. before lockdown. Mm. And and it was becoming a fairly miserable sort of, you know, uh, tearful place, the office. And, it, and that wasn't what I set up. No. You know, what I set up was something that was meant to allow people to thrive, that was meant to be happy. You know, I like laughter in the office. Mm. You know, I like, you know, jokes and I like people mucking around a bit, you know, um, because it's a stressful job. It's yeah. a hard job. And, um, and, we, it, and it was just becoming awful. You know, we were the largest supplier at Ascot, and at Royal Ascot, we were providing, you know, up to six hundred staff a day. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, it became soulless. Mm. And so, what I said during lockdown to the, my, my my sort of few remaining colleagues is, I want to bring this right back to 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 where we were when it was far more authentic, mm. um, uh, and and we really connected in a human way with people. And for me, that was really important. Um, because that's where loyalty comes by. And that's mm. where people then, you know, actually take pride in who we are and what mm. we're trying to achieve. And I'm a great believer, and we as a company are a great believer, it's all about putting something back into the world rather than just stripping the world of things. Um, and so, mm. so for us, um, uh, we wanted to become far more boutique as we were in the early days um, uh, to compete on quality, not price. Um, we can let our, our, our competitors play yep. play in that market. But when people want great staff, they can come to us. Mm. Um, and so um, pair it right back to work with clients that we really liked working with, that appreciated the efforts. Um, uh, because if a client rings us at sort of seven in the evening, say, hey, look, I need help. You know, we don't just all nip down to the pub and have a laugh. You know, we, we, mm. we, we sort it out or we Absolutely. do our best to sort yeah. it out. And I think, um, you know, that commitment to not only our, 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 our on-site teams but also our clients is really, really important. And creating a better environment for that um, was, was critical. So less work, better work. Um, uh, uh, and smiles on our faces yeah. again. So that's the future. So that's the future. Charlie, thank you for talking to us today. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure.